It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hockey fans, are you ready to Brave the Wild? With me, your host, Paladino Joey, or Joey Awajan. Brave the Wild is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn Radio. Thank you once again for joining me today here on Brave the Wild. It's dark and gloomy outside, and you get all this coronavirus stuff going on, but things are shining bright, generally speaking, for the Minnesota Wild and their future with Kevin Fiala. So, but now we get all this coronavirus stuff to talk about. I'm finally saying that word on one of my podcasts. <laughs> it's the first one, the first first time I'd said it. I'll be saying it tomorrow, I'm sure, when it comes to Timberwolves conversation <laughs> elsewhere. So, but uh, my goodness. Well, I mean, uh, what a nice week for the Minnesota Wild, generally speaking. Of course, absolutely took it to the chin versus the Los Angeles Kings in a big way. Interesting strategy by the Kings that worked very nicely. Now they're on this huge winning streak and have been playing way better than they did all season. Is it too little too late or are the Kings still alive for some type of a crazy playoff run? Or, you know, because we all know what they did many years ago. Nah, they're not going on a playoff run, but uh, they've been playing super good. I mean, they shut out the Kings, basically, or the, the, the Vegas Golden Knights. Absolutely destroyed the Wild, completely shut down Fiala, make him look bad. But generally speaking, Kevin Fiala looking more and more like that rising star that Minnesota has always wanted ever since, uh, you know, Gabrick started having groin injuries up the yin-yang and uh, bad relations with Doug Risebrow and Jacques Lemaire was kind of an up-and-down thing a little bit. Well, yeah, we have Kevin Fiala, and that's awesome. Uh, Minnesota Wilds uh, <laughs> debut started with uh, coaching a B with Dean Evans and started with the San Jose Sharks, a 2 nothing loss in Excel Energy Center, quite a depressing day. But then, later on, you get uh, the Minnesota Wild defeating the San Jose Sharks in San Jose in the Shark Tank. Very nice uh, performance by Alex Stalock. This was on Thursday, March the 1st. Three games to preview, four games to review. Or, three games to review, four games to preview would be a little bit more appropriate. A 3-2 to two victory for the Minnesota Wild. A fairly entertaining game. Alex Stalock, absolutely great against his old club. Gotta love that. Uh, Ryan Studer just simply, again, putting the puck on net. A very accurate shot that ended up beating Mr. Jones over there in San Jose. Martin Jones, of course, 
who's been looked on as one of the more mediocre goalies out there. The Sharks and the Kings, two teams that were powerhouses in the Western Conference, seems like yesterday, and now they're, you know, stellar dwellers for the most part in the Western Conference. Unfortunately for them, uh, Jumbo Joe would end up getting his sixth goal of the year as he's been getting mostly assists uh, on the season, his sixth goal of the year. Happy for him that he was able to get that goal later on, but uh, <laughs> I wish he got to go to a cup contender like a Boston or something. Going back to Boston, that would have been a pretty cool story, but unfortunately not meant to be. Alex Gulchenyuk, gosh, I'll never get it right. Gulchenyuk, Gulchenyuk, right? No, it's Alex Gulchenyuk. Uh, had a very solid week, generally speaking. And, you know, he had the mental lapse as well. I mean, he's had mental lapses. He had multi-goal games uh, against the, the Ducks. He had a goal against the uh, the Sharks. In years past, the trip to California would be like 0-3 or 0-2-1, stuff like that in the past. Or for super lucky 1-2 or something like that. Um, but, yeah, nice, solid, successful uh, trip to California. But is California really where you want to be right now? That's one of the havens for you-know-what. Yeah, that's one of the havens for it, unfortunately. Uh, Parisi would have his 25th goal of the season. Kevin Fiala, very nice, very uh, nice starting starter of the play, starting assist to uh, Luke Cunning, who did a beautiful backhand to Parisi, who finished it off. Then ended up being the dagger. Minnesota wild up 3-1 to one before Jumbo Joe added his sixth goal of the season. But nice to see Gulchenyuk. It's, you know, basically you just look at it and pronounce it, which is kind of funny. As complicated as a name as it can be, if you just look at it, it is Gulchenyuk. So I guess it's not as hard as you might think it is. Just, just sound it out and, and you're good to go. <laughs> but no, Kevin Fiala, already 31 assists on the season. As great of a goal scorer as he is, he's a hell of a passer too, which could very much mean if this guy uh, is absolutely legit and this isn't some kind of flash in a pan, he might be a 100-point player, which would be the first time in Minnesota Wild history. I mean, um, um, no Minnesota Wild player has ever reached 90 points in his uh, career uh, during a regular season with the Minnesota Wild. It's pretty amazing. I uh, do apologize if I might seem a little bit funky, a little bit hyper right now. Obviously, it's a combination of things. It's dark. I don't usually do well when it's not, I don't really feel so hot when it's dark and there's no sunlight for a few days and it's been really nasty here. And I had weird issues with audacity. It wasn't doing what I wanted, so I ended up uninstalling it and reinstalling a uh, significantly older version of it because a brand new version came up and it wasn't doing what I wanted. It wasn't letting me record properly. I mean, it was the strangest thing I've ever seen. I couldn't figure it out and I'm running short on time now because I gotta get to work that's the hard part doing a podcast before you go to work is not the easiest thing in the world sometimes but you gotta do it when you do it and I do apologize if I seem a little bit disoriented at the moment but uh, a nice solid win for Minnesota as we climb closer and closer to that wild card will it mean anything at the end of the day will we be able to beat anybody other than the Vegas Golden Knights in the postseason that's what I'm concerned about but, hey, at least you got your budding future with Fiala. You, you got Coppers off coming. It doesn't guarantee that we're going to be the greatest team ever. But, again, you look at the prospects, MNW prospects, our conversations with all of our buddies. And, of course, uh, Derek Felska as well, who follows us and, of course, does his crease and assist uh, blog. Great guy. Absolutely great guy from uh, Western, uh, yes, Western Wisconsin. Um, so don't don't worry. He's not gonna. Well, he might be a Packer fan. I've kept quiet about that. I haven't I haven't nudged him and asked him. He's he's gonna answer me now. I guarantee you. <laughs> I haven't talked about that, but yeah, he's a Gopher fan, not a Badger fan, and all that. So that's cool. 
unless he's kind of pretending to be a Gopher fan. I don't know. But uh, again, a nice, uh, nice solid win for Minnesota, getting us into the postseason. Just the fear becomes, though, out of all the other teams in the playoffs, I, I don't know. I mean, other than the Vegas Golden Knights, would we beat Colorado? Would we beat St. Louis? Would we beat Dallas? Uh, it kind of scares me a little bit. That's the scary part about it. But Vegas, we just seem to have their number, which is cool. Winnipeg, probably we'd beat them. I mean, we've done well against them in the past. Uh, we could probably beat Vancouver in a playoff series. Calgary, yes, no. They're weird, but and they usually play well against us, even though they're weird. Ah, oh, man, now you have two NBA players with coronavirus. Isn't that great? And, of course, both of the Jazz. Thank you, Mr. Goofball uh, uh, Rudy Gobert. We'll talk about that tomorrow on Timberwolves Explosion. Yeah, that's something else, though. I, this is not a basketball show right now, so, but uh, that's a worldwide uh, conversation that's uh, depressing. I hope we don't end up losing the. I hope we don't end up losing uh, several weeks of NHL hockey too. We'll see what happens. Stupid. Ah, uh, it sucks. But let's talk about that stupid Saturday the seventh. Speaking of stupid, come on. When did the Kings suddenly become the Stanley Cup champion, LA Kings again? Like. Kobitar looks like he's right back in his prime again. Obviously, he's a good player. He's not that old or anything, but great uh, strategy by the LA Kings. The, the Kobitar line went against Kevin Fiala and rendered him useless, which is kind of scary. Uh, sometimes it happens, like Wes Walls versus Peter Forsberg. So it, it can happen, and that's the thing. Like, if we played the Kings in the postseason right now, they'd probably beat us in their seventh place in the Pacific Division, which tells you something kind of funky. The Kings would probably beat us in the playoffs. Isn't that dumb? Isn't that make you? Doesn't that make you mad? They'd probably beat you. You know, it's kind of that's kind of lame, isn't it? They just kind of did whatever they wanted in this game. They really did. And I'm not mad at uh, Alex Stalock. It's not like he had his best game of his life or anything. But I mean, it was like mental lapse after mistake after bad angle after blah, blah, blah. I mean, Matt Dumba made a mistake. Galchenyuk made a mistake. Matt Zuccarillo wound up with a couple of assists. Good for him, as he wound up uh, having a pretty good week, to be quite honest. He was good against the Ducks, good against the Kings, so I guess i got to just keep ripping him. I'll give him another uh, James Shepard Memorial. Maybe that'll make him play better. Greenway can be physical at times, and then he disappears, and then he's physical, and then he disappears... Unfortunately, I wouldn't be surprised with how things are shaping up. Him and both Donato, uh, both him and Ryan Donato will be exposed to Seattle when the time comes, but luckily that's a whole year away, so we don't have to worry too quick about those guys. Uh, Luke Cunning, I thought, had a wonderful week overall. Another goal. He is just continuing to become a better and better player. He'll probably not going to, he'll, he'll probably never be a star in the NHL or anything, but he certainly got an ability out there. Uh, he's got 30 points on the season, 15 goals, 15 assists, nice and even. One of the more unpopular players, in my opinion, with the Minnesota Wild fan base is Dustin Brown, dating back to the elbow to the forehead of uh, Jason Tominville years ago. And it wasn't just that. He's always been kind of a semi-goon out there. Uh, not a big fan of his. Uh, Kobajar is a hell of a player, though. And you got to respect that guy. And He was a part of those great teams. Drew Doughty, a lot of those guys still there. Even uh, Jonathan Quick, who's actually having a little bit of a renaissance after a really nasty start to the season. But he wasn't even in net. Uh, Calvin Peterson, who did a great job shutting down the Kings. A couple, uh, I keep calling them the Kings now. The Golden Knights a couple weeks ago. Uh, just had another good run there. Huge week for, uh, or huge game for Anze Kopitar. Three points, a goal, two assists. Dustin Brown got a hat trick, which is disgusting. And an assist, of course. Four points for Dustin Brown. He's Mr. King. He's Mr. Gretzky, I guess. He's the Gretzky Award for the Kings. 
which is disgusting to say. I'll continue to mention. Uh, interesting gray uniforms, I suppose, if you think gray is interesting. But, uh, you know, they've, they've had their runs. They've had their glory days. And they look like they're right back playing that way again, back when they used to kick our butts when they were winning the Stanley Cup and competing and all that and competing against the Chicago Blackhawks in the West Final. Pretty amazing stuff back in the day. Jared Spurgeon was able to get his 12th goal this season again, putting the puck on net. I mean, the Wild had their patented furious rally after going down 4-1, to one, just screwing around and trailing 4-1 to one early in the third period. You have your little furious rally with Spurgeon and, and Cunning making a 4-3, to three and you feel, my God, we just might come back and beat these guys. Wouldn't that be cool? Because we're playing so well. And it was like seconds after. It felt like seconds. It was about two minutes. But it literally felt like seconds. There's another defensive lapse. And Dustin Brown did whatever the bleep he wanted. It was just, bah. I mean, he just went right around Dumba. Just went wrapped right around the guy. Dumba just took a bad angle. And that's all you got to say about it. It was a bad angle. And Dustin Brown was able to finish for his 16th goal of the season. He got the 17th for the hat trick. Kobatar, 41 assists despite such a nasty year in, in uh, Los Angeles. Again, huge surge lately, which is weird. What was this, their fifth win in a row? Again, very surprising to see them playing so well all of a sudden. But as they say, a blind squirrel finds a nut sometimes. And boy, are they finding nuts right now. Whew. Uh, they're playing super well. It's, it's weird. But the empty netter, and you got to see a bunch of people losing their hats on that one, and it is what it is. I wouldn't want to throw my hat on the ice because you, you're never going to see it again. That's kind of sucky. I would, I would, that would suck. It's it's a cool tradition, but you'll never see it again. Unless it's a hat you don't really worry too much about and you have like like better ones at home, that's the one thing. But if it's like a brand new hat and stuff, don't don't throw it away. Or something you've had so many wonderful memories with. I would not toss it on the ice, even if it was the, your favorite player like ever getting a hat trick. I can't do that. <laughs> I, would, I would cry. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, but, and, then, and then there was another goal. Gabriel Velarde. I mean, Curtis, <laughs> Curtis McDermott literally just like alley-ooped the puck in the air. Like, way up in the sky. I don't even know what that was. It was the funkiest little thing. And then it just lands right in front of Gabriel Villardi. Gabriel Lavardi Or Villardi. It's like, who again? You know, second goal of the season. It's just like, just adding insult to injury after that hat trick by Dustin Bleepin' Brown to make it 6-3. to three. Just embarrassing. Absolutely embarrassing. <laughs> God, that was terrible. It was just, it literally insult to injury. And Stalock was just like, you've got to be kidding me. I can't even imagine what that felt like. Six goals against. Of course, he didn't get the full 60 minutes because of the 40 seconds of uh, <laughs> empty net time. That meant absolutely nothing good for Minnesota. <sighs> this is an awful game. Awful. Marcus Felina wound up with a couple points. Goal and an assist. I'm happy about that. Absolutely. Brodeen is just continuing to get career highs. Every time he scores a point, it's a career high. Same with guys like Greenway, Donato, Cunning. Every point they get is a career high. And that's nice. Fiala, obviously, as well. Fiala, no goals, no, no assists, minus four. Did lead in all ice time, which he has been doing all the time now, which is great. Some double shifts and such. Three minutes more than the second guy, which is Matt Zuccarillo, of all people. But still, he actually played pretty well, to be quite fair. Nice to see Suter's minutes reduced significantly from the past couple of years, like 27, 26 minutes. He's down to like 22, 23, generally speaking, now. As they were slightly reducing last year. And of course, coming back from that weird socket, socket, you know, ankle socket injury. Uh, and I'm already forgetting the name of that bone. 
it'll come back at some point. But that it's literally a socket in your ankle injury to uh, Ryan Suter. That took forever to heal because something like that doesn't heal right away. <laughs> and it needs to heal perfectly, otherwise you're bleeped. Think about the pain and the chronic, the chronic aching you'll have the rest of your life if that thing doesn't heal absolutely perfectly. Whew, boy, that's unbelievable. But chronic aching watching that stupid game, too. Let's get to a much more entertaining game, generally speaking. But you did see Devin Dumnik in that as, you know, yeah, and the wild escape with the win, which is great. Dumnik is not, he, I, 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 I don't know. And everybody are asking, like the Michael Russo's of the world and such, Kevin Gorg, whoever the heck it is, get, they get on radio interviews, radio conversations, maybe they're talking on FSN, you know, during intermissions and such. Like, oh, both of them are coming back, as in Stalock and Dubnik. And it's like, really? I mean, can't we move on from Dubnik? Can't we, though? I mean, no offense, but can we Can we move on? Is He can't play anymore. At least, I don't know, and I wouldn't think... I don't think... Uh, uh, I don't think a, a scenery change would really hurt Devin Dumnik all that much. It might actually help. A change of scenery, Toronto, a Calgary, maybe not Montreal. You don't want to go in the fishbowl, a place like that. Toronto's a bit of a fishbowl, too. Probably shouldn't go there unless he's like the backup. Um, but he might be a backup anywhere he goes at this point. Who knows? Which is kind of sad considering what he was just two years ago, two, three years ago. But, I mean, I think he'd help a Calgary. I think he would help anybody. Maybe even just Ottawa, whatever it is. <laughs> Ottawa, I don't know. Yeah, because they're goalie situation. I mean, Anderson's, what, 40? He's like my age, and he can't play anymore. At least Dubnik's still in his uh, early half of his 30s, I suppose. Still got some time left, possibly, but I think we have to move on. Or, again, maybe a summer off, you know, maybe the summer he'll be able to kind of collect his thoughts and everything. He could come back as a good, solid backup who gets 35 games or something. Gets a significant amount of games behind Stalock next year, because Stalock's the starter for now. Um, and but if you bring them both back, then well, Kapokakinen's stuck in the AHL again. I can't imagine the frustration there. And I know you don't want to. You know, you're always like, well, you don't want to rush a guy, or you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket, thinking Kapokakinen's the next Ken Dryden or Grant Fuhrer or whoever Patrick Waugh. But still, <laughs> the point is though, I'm trying to make, which I'm dragging away the bleep too long, is well, sieve. He was kind of a sieve in this game, wasn't he? I mean, he had a couple moments, but it's like you just raise the puck just a little bit, and it's just like right over his shoulder almost every other time. I mean, that that's what it feels like anyway. Of course, he makes stops. Of course, he makes stops, but four goals given up, and you know, and it just seemed they just seem so easy most of them. It's just like put the puck on net, get a nice decent scoring chance, and he doesn't make the save. With that said, Kevin Viola makes other goalies look the same way. Like like Ryan Miller, obviously, who's an old past his prime backup now, who used to be a really good starter years ago, but teams like Buffalo and such. And even a good, uh, well, I won't say a good, but a solid stint in Vancouver. He was pretty much a sieve as well, but Kevin Fiala also made some great uh, shot attempts as well. He almost got 21 minutes in the game, of course, in the overtime period where he was the hero, doing multiple things that we'll get to momentarily. Uh, Fiala ultimately at the end of the day though, I mean just, you know, his release is un- unpredictable. He's able to kind of foil people. It's the kind of release and the explosion of the shot that makes him so lethal. I mean uh, there is an explosiveness to his shot and again the quickness to that release that despite the fact you might have the angle on him, he still finds a way to get that puck into the back of the net and that's what's so beautiful about Kevin Fiala with Minnesota. Ultimately, two goals, but, I mean, you had the early one, which felt good. You also had uh, Kolchenyuk 
end up scoring. Actually, we thought it was Galchenyuk. It ended up being Matt Zuccarillo. So Galchenyuk ended up getting the assist. I was thinking, Galchenyuk didn't get two goals, did he? And yeah, I guess he didn't at the end of the day. He did get a goal much later, which put the Wild ahead. It was a big one. Victor Rastel, man, that guy. All of his goals come at clutch times, don't they? They come at clutch moments. They absolutely do. Game-winning goals, game-tying goals, just big moments, big momentum-changing goals. As much as you might want to say about Victor Rask, he's, he's, he's been damn good. Again, of course, Kevin Fiala's 22nd goal of the season on the power play. Wild power play has definitely stepped up of late. And that was just a gorgeous goal. Again, Zuccarello ended up scoring to tie things up. It looked like Galchenyuk, but Zuccarello ended up getting the finish on that one. It was a goal that was reviewed, but was allowed. Uh, Silverberg scored so easily early on, which had us feeling crappy. And then you had Heinen and Silverberg again. Silverberg, a part of three goals in this one. Uh, very solid game for him, that's for damn sure. Uh, Christian Ju- Juice, <laughs> just messing around. Christian D, let's just call him, ended up getting his first goal of his season. Ricard Raquel, again, often compared to Julerks and Echo, hasn't scored in a while, hasn't had a point in a while. Seems like he was on fire, but then this whole week, absolutely no points whatsoever. Kind of sad. Um, but, again, pretty much every goal Devin Dubnik gave up, it just felt like, are you kidding me? And this is after Galchenyuk and Rask ended up changing the momentum greatly. Uh, Silverberg ended up putting the Ducks ahead late in the second period, but then Victor Rask with a takeaway in the neutral zone and just kind of exploded down the ice for a guy that's not a fast skater. And then the patience on his shot and the nice release using the defense using the defense in as a screen, getting his fifth goal of the season. It was a damn good goal. I mean, that's a guy who's like saying, hey, I can still play in the NHL. You know, I mean, scratch me as you will, but I still belong in the NHL and hopefully somebody will pick me up if I get bought out this summer, that type of thing, because... Obviously, there's some game to Victor Rask, believe it or not. I mean, remember, he had almost a 50-point season years ago with the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, and he's still well under 30. Don't forget. And Galchenyuk, same thing. He's well under 30, and he had a nice play. Eighth goal of the season for him. Galchenyuk, at the end of the day, another guy who's under 30, who's had his moments. He's got speed, but then the effort kind of vanishes, or he gets confused, or what. I don't know if it's like low hockey IQ. I think that's kind of part of the problem. Uh, Victor Rask, I, I I don't know if it's low hockey IQ. I don't. He, he's 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 not a bad player. He just sometimes he's just slow and kind of out of it, and that's all there is to say. But um, when he's focused and he's locked in, Victor Rask can be pretty good sometimes. And I, I I think generally speaking, in the limited action he's seen this year, Victor Rask can play a little bit, and he's proven that at the end of the day, whether it's the fourth line or whatever. But uh, here comes the overtime period. After that frustrating goal given up with less than two minutes to play. Another save of a goal given up by Dubnik. God bless him. Kevin Fiala draws a hooking penalty on a play that he might have scored on. Big play because he's just that good. He's just that damn good that they have to they have to literally like trip him and such. <laughs> they have to like trip him, hook him, whatever it is, in order to prevent something to happen. This and that. So you go in the power play. And I'm like thinking, you know, right when he got hooked on that play, I was like, he's going to score, isn't he? He's going to score the game winner. Like, I could just feel it's still small voice. And within just a few seconds later, all the old men on the ice, but then, no, no, I'm kidding. This is a different, that was a different play. But at the end of the day, Cunnan wins the faceoff. Suter has the puck, gets it to Cunnan. Fiala with that same similar release. That's pretty much unstoppable right now. Was able to finish on his 23rd goal of the season. 
and the Minnesota Wild. Actually, Koivu was out there, and he did win the faceoff. So, yes, that is true because of the power play situation. Four on three. Uh, Kevin Fiala did finish 23rd goal of the season. What an absolutely uh, great play that was. Had us all feeling like a million dollars. And there you go. I mean, just a continued conversation. The next Marion Gabrick, blah, blah, blah. Maybe he'll be better than Gabrick. Hopefully he can stay away from bleeping groin injuries and inconsistent plays and, and contract holdouts and uh, and and dumb dumb mistakes and this and that, stuff like that. Uh, as good as Gabrick was, he certainly wasn't a perfect player and he never got to 100 points. I know that much. And hopefully Fiala can be the kind of guy that can actually knock on the door of 100 points one day. Wouldn't, wouldn't that be amazing if Kevin Fiala has 100 points in his future next year? Because I think the possibility exists that Kevin Fiala could be a 100-point player in this league, especially if he's on a line with somebody like a Coppershop. Like you're just going to... Both of those guys being centered by a Luke Cunning or maybe somebody much better. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe Hovenov's got an unbelievably great future in the NHL. Obviously, yet to be seen because he hasn't even played at the AHL yet, if he even shows up for the AHL, if you know what I mean, which I'm afraid of. Either AA, NHL or bus type of thing with him is what his agent's been saying, or at least, you know, that's the communication. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But Fiala might be a 100-point guy someday. That's a vibe I'm just getting right now. So despite having the icky game against the LA Kings, the fact that he owned it and he sounds like a leader, uh, I think Kevin Fiala should get an A on his chest very soon, uh, depending on Koivu retiring and such. And of course, I do think Felino's going to at least get an A, but no, he, he might very well might end up with the C on his chest moving forward, because it doesn't have to be a star player to have the C. Uh, but I do think is going to be one of the captains at some point. Uh, he's got the personality to be a captain. Not necessarily the C, but, but but the A on his chest, absolutely. And I think that day has to come soon. Um, and if he ends up getting the C, so be it. Uh, right now, that's probably Felino. Possibly, if Quavu does end up retiring. Um, some people even go as far as to say Spurgeon. But I think Fiala deserves an A on his chest at some point. I do. Uh, I, I, at, at least an A, if not a C, at some point on, on his jersey. So, with that said, uh, solid week for Minnesota. Yucky game against the Kings. Kevin Fiala is going to still get the Mike Modano award. Generally speaking, I mean, the LA Kings game in general, I think that's James Shepard Memorial right there. I mean, it's just absolutely disgusting game by almost everybody. They completely outpowered us, uh, overpowered the Minnesota Wild in every facet of the game. And it was disgusting and extremely frustrating at the end of the day. So that's how I have to feel there. Four games to preview. Better get through that quickly. Then we get the prospects conversation, which is a little bit quieter. Not as many games of late because college is just kind of heading into the, you know, it's heading into the postseason tournaments and such, but still some good games by certain guys that are very important to the wild future. And Quebec Major Junior Hockey League, all that good stuff. And Backman's been dominating. It's pretty exciting. You're starting to see some triple digits popping up. At least in the juniors. Now hopefully we can get a triple digit guy in the NHL. Kevin Fiala, Koprizov, somebody like that. Hovenov, <laughs> yeah, wouldn't that be a dream come true? If uh, even Hovenov went up with 100 points in the NHL one day. But uh, heck, let's see how good Beckman ends up becoming too. Talk about those guys in the next segment. <laughs> And 
And we are back here on Brave the Wild, segment number two. We got a preview for four games, but hey, at least it's some cool teams to talk about, I suppose. Open things up tonight with the Vegas Golden Knights. Minnesota Wild had a little miniature bye, I guess, three days off after the Anaheim Ducks. It's like, all right, we're winning Sunday night, and we got to wait until Thursday. Wow. Okay, well, that's why I only previewed three games last week, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, we've got four games to, to, to preview this time around. The Vegas Golden Knights maybe are postseason opponent is right now that's exactly what things would be if Minnesota Wild hold on to the top wildcard position which could happen Vegas did beat us this year to be fair and the season the season series is actually tied so you never know Vegas might actually beat us in the uh in the postseason we'll see what happens uh, we got beat by Gerald Gallant Gerald Gallant's club Gerald Gallant when he was still the coach three to two back in December the 17th right before Christmas there and then the Vegas Golden Knights with Peter Dubois as head coach got beat four to nothing on Feb 11. Not that long ago, that was uh, actually one of Bruce Boudreaux's last games. I do believe that was his last victory with Minnesota, if I remember correctly. It was either his last or second last because he got let go on Valentine's Day. It was his last win. <clears throat> yep, because we lost in a shootout to the bleeping Rangers when we were winning the whole bleeping game. So that was exciting stuff. Just absolutely great. A uh, power play, Minnesota and Vegas. Right right up there in the top third. Ninth in the league for Vegas. Tenth in the league for Minnesota in goals. Minnesota's 14th still because of guys like Fiala and Parisi with 25 on the year with Parisi. Still a strong season despite some up and down play. Vegas has had some great moments, some quiet moments. So they're ninth in the league in goals. Goals against 13th. And now they have a different goaltender, which I think could be a big help. Vegas was on a nice eight-game winning streak for a while before they got doused by the LA Kings and told us, go back home. Well, they're on a two-game win streak now after beating a couple of Pacific Division rivals, former Northwest Division rivals for Minnesota back in the day, Calgary and Edmonton. Cool teams. I, I kind of miss those games. I kind of do. So some of you might be like, oh, it's too late at night. Yeah, but if you work when, when I work, usually it's nice. And, you know, I, I end up staying up till about one or so in the morning. Usually that's just my style. Uh, I don't like staying up any time really beyond that, but just saying. Uh, the Kings doused them, though, on March the 1st, 4-1. to one. Then the Vegas returns right away with uh, Robert Leonard. Actually, yeah, Robert Leonard getting his uh, getting a three nothing shutout over the New Jersey Devils, and a four nothing shutout loss to the Winnipeg Jets. How about that on March the sixth? Ouch! That was just a couple of days ago. That was like wow. They beat the Calgary Flames. A couple of teams I actually like quite a bit. Vegas and Calgary, and then Edmonton just most recently a couple of days ago. Vegas they've had a couple of days off as well, so good for them, I guess beating the uh, Edmonton Oilers. Connor, Connor McDavid's back playing again. 3-2 to two win in Edmonton. An impressive little road trip there for Vegas. Now they come to Exxon Energy Center. I do believe Minnesota wins this game. Love the way the Wild are playing. Love the way the Wild play against the Vegas Golden Knights, despite the fact that the Vegas Golden Knights are playing super well right now. They are 39-24-8, first place in the Pacific Division. They're the team that finally pulled away a little bit in that division, but Edmonton's knocking on the door now, and Calgary's barely hanging on to a division leader uh, position with 79 points. Edmonton, 83, and Vegas with 86 on the year. Vegas should get into the 100-point range again, hopefully for their sake. Max Pacioretty is leading the club in scoring now. Mark Stone is still out with lower body injury, unfortunately for him. So he's He's week to week right now. Mark Stone was their all uh, overall leading scorer. Not their all-time leading scorer yet. Maybe eventually. But uh, their overall leading scorer. He's a good goal scorer, but he's an even better passer from the wing. He's a right wing, right shot, all that. 42 assists on the season. Mark Stone's a hell of a playmaker, so he's definitely missed 
Uh, hopefully, for their sake, he comes back. Uh, Alex Tuck has had a very, very, very off year. Oft injured and off in general. Ryan Reeves is annoying and all that stuff. But uh, Koivu probably could have mixed it up with him a little more rather than chirping at him. Maybe punch him in the face or something. Yeah, I, I agree. That's what I heard from someone locally. I, I won't say the name because maybe he doesn't want me to mention it. I wanted to mention his name with the conversation, but maybe. Ah, you know. No, it was Derek Velska, actually. I'll, I'll say it. I don't think he minds with that. It's not like an Asian type of talk or anything. <sighs> yeah, he was frustrated with that. Uh, I understand that conversation. Uh, William Carlson, certainly not a 43-goal scorer anymore, but 46 points, I guess. I guess they'll have to deal with that at the moment. He's definitely not scoring like he was. Uh, it was one of those flash-in-the-pan type of years. Paul Stansley, who's been off-injured in the past, has been an Iron Man this year, knock on wood over there. Again, I know <laughs> I know you'd rather beat them in the postseason, but I'm just saying, I'd rather beat them with healthy players. You, you feel better, you feel more confident, then you might actually feel we might beat Colorado at the playoffs, and who's to say we won't beat Colorado in the playoffs? We've done it multiple times, and Colorado looked like the way, 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 way better team, you know, multiple times, like a cup contender back in 03, and then kind of a cup contender with Nathan McKinnon in 14, so what the heck? And then they had like a mediocre, decent, mediocre to decent team in 06, and they beat us. Wow. That was <laughs> that was some crap, wasn't it? That was some serious crap. The Wild win their division, and we get beat by Colorado. Wow. I think that was, yeah, yep. So bull crap. <laughs> God, that was dumb. Uh, Shea Theodore, he's been around a bit. Paul Stanley, Nate Schmidt, the former golfers, had a really nice uh, run in, in Vegas. He's pretty much their top defenseman, believe it or not. Uh, they don't get. They don't really have elite scoring power play quarterbacks over there in Vegas, do they? Just just decent, solid defensemen mostly over there. Just solid, you know, defensemen who I wouldn't think uh, are on Spurgeon's level. But uh, you know, they're 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 holding their own. They're kind of like I don't know, like better versions of Carson Soucy, we'll say. You know, career potential of Carson Soucy type of guys right now. Uh, decent team, but I think the Wild win this game, believe it or not, unless unless Robert Leonard's in that because. Clearly, he's the best goaltender on that team. Uh, 1.67 goals against average. He didn't get a shutout. Marc-Andre Fleury does have five on the year. He's hot and cold. If Marc-Andre Fleury's in net, it's either, you know, he's, he's got a little of that Dubnik magic sometimes. When Dubnik was hot, he was hot. But when he's not, he's not. That type of thing. Hot, hot, not, not. You get the idea. Uh, Malcolm Stepan, of course, off to Chicago at the end of the day. Uh, Robin Leonard, I think, is the kind of goaltender that can help this team win the Stanley Cup this year. Possibly. And if he is a net versus the Minnesota Wild, I think it's going to be a tough go. It'll be a lower-scoring game. Uh, Vegas, generally speaking, it's generally speaking, they've always been kind of a team that wins games like 3-1, to 3-2, to two, but on occasion they get hot and they go off for like five five goals or something. I think Minnesota wins a quiet 3-2 to two victory in regulation, believe it or not. Maybe it gets to some kind of overtime and Fiala's a hero, but Kevin Fiala will be the most likely to get a score against the Vegas Golden Knights. And he will get his 24th goal of the season against Vegas. So I better move along here. I'm kind of dragging already. My my bad there. Philadelphia Flyers. Oh, <laughs> I don't like playing this team. <laughs> I do not like playing the Philadelphia Flyers. March 14th, Saturday. Matinee. Oh, God. Yeah. Matinee on the road in Philadelphia. <sighs> Loss. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Loss. Uh, second in the Metropolitan Division. 20 games above 500. Carter Hart is officially the goalie of the future and the present now. He was the goalie of the future for the last year and a half. 2.42 goals against average. Only one shot all, which tells you how consistent he is. Brian Elliott's a solid backup, but you can count on. 16-7 and seven on the year with Brian Elliott. So even if he's in net, you might give up a couple more, you know, 
you might see more scoring in the game by Minnesota, but it doesn't mean that we're going to win necessarily because Philadelphia's got players everywhere. Uh, thank you, Ron Hextall, and congratulations, Chuck Fletcher. You know what I'm saying? They are one point behind the Washington Capitals for the division lead. You know, the same Washington Capitals that are, you know, a cup contender, you know, and all that crap. Yeah, um, it's just been unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable. Uh, Travis Konecki, Sean Cordier, the former Shock, Jacob Voracek, Claude Giroux, who had been the franchise player, and he's taken a step back or two, but he stayed healthy all season. Good for him. Ivan Provorinov, who's been a long-time, def- uh, he's been, uh, excuse me, long-time development uh, defenseman who's really picked it up. Obviously, he was a high-end, I shouldn't even say long-time, but has long been thought of as a very high-end defenseman prospect in the National Hockey League. Provenov's been very solid, 36 points on the season. 13 of them goals, which is very good for a defenseman, of course. Good job from him at the end of the day. A bit of a power play quarterback, 9 assists on the power play. 7 goals, which is tied for the team leader, Claude Giroux. Good for him, for Provenov. It's a damn good hockey team, and I think the... I think the Philadelphia Flyers beat the Wild. I don't think there's any question about that. Remember earlier in the year, they really uh, put the hammer to us. Mike Yo, ugh, Mike Yo is uh, an assistant, obviously, with that team. December the 14th, and the Wild were just starting to play a bit better, and we're starting to score some goals. And then you ran into Philadelphia. It was a 4-1 to thrashing on December 14th, and now March 14th. So two whole months later, or is it actually three whole months later? Wow, that's been a while. I think I'm looking to a 4-2 to loss for Minnesota in Philadelphia at the end of the day in Wells Fargo Center. Yes, sir. Uh, it's going to be an unfortunate thing. Most likely get a score for Minnesota against the Philadelphia Flyers. Is Eric Stahl ever going to score again? <sighs> Boy, I don't know. I'm going to say Matt Dumba ends his, his run. Uh, he was definitely a James Shepard Memorial candidate. No scoring, and he had some bad moments, some flop defense out there, particularly against the LA Kings. Generally speaking, not a good week for Matt Dumba either. But I think Dumba will score <laughs> for the first time in a while. And uh, he'll, he'll get one of the two goals against the Philadelphia Flyers, but the Wild lose, unfortunately, as the Flyers pardon upon our flying eye right now. And there's no question about that. They might win the Stanley Cup this year. They're, they're that good. And Carter Hart's looking like a damn good goalie. Got to move along because we got two more to preview. National Predators, the hated, hated National Predators. Who do you think is going to score in this game? Who do you think is going to score in this game? Kevin Fiala is going to score against the National Predators because he always scores against the National Predators. He did last year, even when he wasn't scoring against anybody. And uh, Soros is becoming the goalie of the future and the present right now for the... Uh, it's kind of like what's going on with Pe- Pekka Rene. It's kind of like Devin Dubnik. Uh, he's got three shutouts on the year, but a 3.17 goals against average ain't going to get it done, folks. It ain't, he ain't going to get it done. Um, luckily, neither one of them has been injured. That's why you only see two goalies all season. But Zeus uh, Soros has been very solid. He's had his good moments. It's not like he's putting up spectacular numbers, though. They're kind of like Stalax numbers, 2.70. Saber percentage, though, 91.4. And four shutouts on the season. He's had some big moments. He had shutouts recently. And, well, I mean, he's the goalie of the future and the present right now for the uh, National Predators. He's long been looked on as the uh, the goalie of the future. And um, he's, he's been very strong. And then you got Roman Josie. He's the leading scorer on the team. The, one of the best defensemen in the NHL, if not the best defenseman in the NHL. He's a plus 22 on the season. 19 power play assists, which is absolutely spectacular. Philip Forsberg, who's had his big moments, of course. Ryan Johansson will frustrate the bleep out of you on the, with his cheap sh- shootout goals. Ugh, the guy will literally be at like a half a mile an hour pace. Stick handling and then scoring on you, which is just a mockery of the freaking thing. 
absolute freaking mockery. For uh, fifth place in the Central Division, they're nine games above 500. And they are, they are one point ahead of Minnesota. Both teams have 69 games played on the season. Two games in hand versus Winnipeg and St. Louis for Minnesota and Nashville, if that means anything. I guess it does. Yes, it does. Uh, Gronland, Granlin, Gronland, I know. We all call him Granlin, and yes, his name is Gronlin. Uh, you know, Doc Emmerich, blah, 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 brought that up years ago in the playoffs. Gronlin, Mikhail Gronlin. I think that was when we were playing St. Louis in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Granlin, Gronlin, yes. Yes, Doc Emmerich, yes. 17 goals on the season. He's actually got less assists than goals, which is really funny. Which is really funny because he was always Mr. Assist, Mr. Assist. Great puck handler, uh, those little saucer passes, this and that. And then he's gotten some goals this year. Which is crazy when you think about this statistic. He is tied for third on the team in goals. That's crazy. And a guy that's kind of been a bit of a flop in Nashville compared to Kevin Fiala. Um, there was a point earlier in the season when they were just about tied with points. And it's like, okay, Fiala's got a brighter future. Grandland, you'd expect something. And then Fiala just took off ever since. He's at, what, 54 points on the season. For Minnesota, absolutely spectacular. 23 of those goals, of course, and they were some of the most electrifying goals ever. Uh, Gronlund, Gronlund had some big moments. Yeah, tie, game-tying and game-winning goals that helped Nashville, which frustrated us in a big way because, well, we're competing for that playoff spot, the wildcard spot, and he had those big moments. But at the end of the day, at 30 points, he's like like 11th or 12th in the, on the team in scoring, basically, right now. So, I mean, versus what Kevin Fiala would be, he'd be second behind Roman Josie. So he might even have more points, depending on who's getting him the puck over there with all those talented players. Matt Deshane, only 42 points for Matt Deshane. Huh. You know what I mean? That's all you got to say. Huh. Ryan Johansson, 36 points. 36 points. Again, Matt is at home, who I talk about all the time. Love him a lot. Uh, he's like a higher scoring protein at the end of the day, as far as I'm concerned. He's a guy who really puts on some points. Uh, he'll get on that second power play. You know, he's got five assists on the season in that. He'll play on a second power play unit on occasion, and uh, he can he can he can really uh, help provide some offense on occasion. He gets in those hot streaks, and good for him. Good team, but I think Wild the Wild need to win this game, and I think they will. It's like if it's in Nashville, they win every time. If it's in Minnesota, we win most of the time. Uh, I expect something. I expect an exciting five to three type of game. Kevin Fiala is going to get multiple points in the game, and there's just no doubt about it. But I expect a five to three type of game, especially if Pekarini's in net. Hopefully, he is. If Roman Josie's in net, maybe three to two, three to four to four to three shootout victory for Minnesota, or overtime victory. Maybe Fiala scores in OT. Fiala or Dumba with a game winner, but Fiala will have multiple points in the game. I tend to get that right. Usually when they talk about Fiala getting multiple points or even Dumba one time, I was actually I was actually right about it. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> but Fiala will have multiple points. I did I think I said Fiala will score two goals last time and he did. So pretty cool. Minnesota won three to one on March the third. Minnesota will win the season or no will tie up the season series and then you go to Nashville on April the fourth. Watch out there. The rubber match. Ooh wee the Wild actually trailed the season series after an awful start. 4 to nothing loss on October 24th and a 5-2 to two demolition for the season opener, as we all remember very well. But then 3-1, to one, great game for Fiala recently on March the 3rd. Awesome game for Fiala, but Wild will win. I'll say I am going to say 4-3 to three in an overtime period, so unfortunately we're going to give up a point to Nashville 
at the end of the day, one way or another. Hopefully, we don't have to get to the shootout. <laughs> just don't get to the shootout. Kevin, score. Kevin, just score. And if it means, <laughs> let's, let's hopefully we win five to three at the end of the day. And there's no regular, uh, there's no overtime period of any kind because I don't want to screw around. Ah, Chicago. Ugh, I don't want to play this game. I, don't, I hate playing these guys. They always have their big moments. Always have their big moments. I don't even want to talk about it anymore. Uh, we all know who they are. Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves. We all know who they are. It's coming to X Energy Center. Happy Patrick's Day for Patrick. Happy St. Patrick's Day for Patrick Kane. Oh, God. You know what's going to happen, don't you? Is it going to be another hat trick for Patrick on St. Patrick's Day? <sighs> <laughs> Can I just be honest with you? It's going to be another hat-trick for Patrick on St. Patrick's Day, isn't it? He, he's going to have multiple points because it's St. Patrick's Day and St. Patrick for of, St. Patrick of Chicago is going to, you know, he's just owned the wild forever. God bless him. He's not a bad guy at all. He's just a damn good player who gets the job done. At least he doesn't, like, rub it in our face, that type of thing. Oh, boy, it's going to be a hat-trick for Patrick. <laughs> I think so. Maybe maybe he won't get a hat-trick, but maybe he'll get a goal and an assist or two goals or something. I'm Probably two goals. I mean, it's every time he touches the puck, he's the Kevin Fiala versus Minnesota. Let's look at it that way. Robin Leonard actually wasn't putting up good numbers in Chicago, but it's a different team. Uh, Vegas is a much more defensive-minded team. Malcolm Stepan has not been with Chicago for a whole, much, a whole lot. He's just been kind of hanging around only one minute so far. It's been Corey Crawford all the way ever since that trade. Robin Leonard was actually splitting time with Crawford and getting some crappy minutes or having some crappy play in front of him. Still a very good save percentage, which tells you how good Robin Leonard actually is despite the, the awful goals against average. It's just the defense in front of him wasn't that good. You know, Duncan Keith is ancient, and there's a lot of young guys none of us have ever heard of or we've heard of them a little bit, and they're not that good yet, that type of thing. Uh, Duncan Keith, 27 points, ancient history. Brandon Saad's never going to, you know, he's the Charlie Coyle of the Blackhawks, never going to be what a lot of them hoped. I'm, I suppose that he did also have 21 goals in the year, which is respectable. He's kind of almost like a Zucker, Zucker Coyle at the end of the day, a physical guy who can score. So he's like Zucker Coyle mixed together, if that makes sense. Uh, St. Patrick has 84 points on the season. He's another 100-point uh, guy with Chicago who can go out for whenever he wants, a hat-trick at any time, 33 goals on the season, plus 8 on the year, which is by far the tops on the team. Jonathan Taves is a minus 2 with 60 points, 42 assists along the way, and he's won a bajillion face-offs on the season. Patrick Kane, though, by far the best scorer on the team, even though he doesn't have the highest shooting percentage, but he gets so many shots on goal, it's not even close. I mean, he is he's Marion Gabrick Sr., not Jr., at the end of the day. John Quenville. John Quenville, that's interesting, as a member of them. Nick Sealers have been in six games so far. Poor guy, just like with Minnesota. One assist for uh, ever-frustrated scratch, scratch, scratch Nick Sealer. Hopefully he suits up against Minnesota, just for his sake. Chicago's eighth in the penalty kill, but everything else, they're in the bottom group, pretty much. Uh, penalty minutes, they've been very, uh, they've been fairly composed this year. Twelfth in the league in protecting that. But the Blackhawks are going to beat the Wild at St. Patrick's Day. I mean, I'm sorry. They're going to beat the Wild until until I see otherwise. They're going to beat the Wild. Uh, the season series is actually tied, believe it or not. Chicago won in Chicago and beat the Wild. Or, excuse me, lost to the Wild on February the 4th. I should pick a win here. I should. I really should, and I want to. But I don't know. I just don't trust this team against Chicago. Uh, every time you get our confidence up and we start feeling good about ourselves, Chicago rolls in, despite the fact they've been 
out of the mix for a while now. They just roll in and they're the same Chicago Blackhawks that won the Cup. That's just the same team that's owned us forever. Kind of like the New York Yankees and the LA Lakers years ago in the Garnett era. It's just the same old story. I think the Hawks went 4-2, to two, something along the lines. 4-2, 4-3, 4-3. The most likely guy to score is going to be Zach Greasy. He always seems to find the back of the net versus the Blackhawks. I wouldn't be surprised if Doom mixed a net in this game, which would be even worse. I take my chances of Staylock and hope for the best. In fact, no, he's going to be a net. You know, we don't want Dubnik versus the Blackhawks. I think we've had enough history there. Um, four to three loss, though. Patrick Kane, two goals, and Parisi at least gets one. And we'll see what happens. Hopefully, Fiala tells everybody, you know, shut up. It's you know, shut up. We're going to screw these guys. We're going to beat these guys, no matter what they say, no matter who they think they are. We're going to we're going to take them out. We're going to tie this game up. Now we're trailing four to three with a minute left. Let's tie this up and let's finish these guys off and put them away once and for all and win a season series against this team. Even though it doesn't matter a whole lot at the end of the day if you can't beat them in the postseason because we're not going to see them in the postseason this year. But because uh, our opportunity to do that is a couple years away maybe at the end of the day. But uh, we're going to need Fiala or somebody like that to really step up the way he has been and knock this team off finally, as annoying as it is. Um, but I think they win. Uh, until it happens, I think the Blackhawks win and the Wild have a 500 week at the end of the day. That's just my guess. That's just my opinion, but I hope I'm dead off. Uh, the Wild have had much more success in National Energy Center versus Chicago than on the road, but for now I'm going to pick Chicago because it just reeks of that riding high and then the Blackhawks take you out. With that said, let's talk about the prospects. A. Eh? I love to imitate Wally Shaver. Not bad, eh? <laughs> I love Wally Shaver, play-by-play voice for the Minnesota Gophers. Let's talk to Iowa first. Uh, they've been playing adequately. The scoring's been way down. Jerry Mayhew, who did absolutely nothing, and unfortunately he's probably the top James Shepard Memorial guy last week because uh, he was completely invisible, opportunity after opportunity, and he just did not seize it at all. Goes back to Iowa, and the Iowa Wild only scored one goal in the entire game. It was Luke Johnson has been great. He played very well in the... Uh, absence of Jerry Mayhew, and the Jerry time is, has not happened in Minnesota, unfortunately. Hopefully you can pick it up again for Iowa and help them win a cup down there. That'd be great. Uh, Brennan Mendel now 47 points on the year. Just Mr. Consistency. Dimitri Sokolov who continues to play better and better. Love hearing Tim Army. He's, yeah, he's got that East Coast accent, just like our friend of course, Chatty. Tim Army's awesome. Uh, check out the latest uh, what do they call that? Straight from the source. Michael Russo. Either if you have the Athletic app, there's that one where it's like a full show, or you could get it up Apple Podcasts and Spotify, all that good stuff. But uh, great interview. If you want to hear about the prospects from him, from the, the source there, straight from the source, literally. When it comes to Iowa, anyway, uh, he believes Sam Honest and Mayhew deserve opportunities in the NHL. Mayhew's had an opportunity, and unfortunately, he hasn't reached it yet. Seven-game stint, and nothing happened. God bless him. Uh, he really talked highly of the... Uh, the uh, Hammond DeWare. He believes both of those guys are absolutely NHL material. Uh, bottom third and all that. Bottom six is what I'm trying to say at the end of the day for both of them. Kind of physical guys that can score in the NHL. Uh, he was comparing them to some important people back in the day. It was a Johnson on uh, <clears throat> on the U.S. Olympic team. It was ever so viable. They call him the MVP of the Olympic team for, Minnesota, for the United States back in 1980, because he would be physical and could score clutch goals that matter oh so much. And that's kind of the Hyman uh, DeWare, the, the double Ds, you could call him, for, a, for the Iowa Wild. DeWare's had some more opportunities lately. That's why the scoring has been picking up a bit. Obviously, he was very solid 
for the uh, Everett Silvertips in the WHL last year in the juniors. Again, we're going to get to see what Adam Beckman does next year, hopefully, in the AHL. I can't wait to see what Adam Beckman does, how he translates to the uh, the minor pro, or at least major, major minor pro, you could say. Uh, Louis Belpedio has eclipsed the century mark in terms of penalty minutes, and he did get his 20th point, 15th assist on the season. And Tim Army said exactly what I've been saying. Belpedio and Menel are completely different players, and it's plain as day. Uh, Belpedio's a guy who's, you know, he can get some power play time, like second unit, where Menel's got to be like a top power play defensive and that type of guy. He's got to be on the top power play unit. That's his role. He's an offensive guy who moves the puck and such, but of course sets up other players, getting the puck on net and such. Uh, he's literally a power play quarterback. 47 points. <clears throat> and he's got a bright future in the league. Somebody would have to play on the offside at the end of the day, and conversation is that uh, the Wild might move Brodeen before the uh, the whole Seattle expansion situation. Maybe he ends up in Seattle in a trade with the Seattle Sea Hockeys. I don't know. I'm just messing around. Sea Sockeyes. Seattle Sockeyes. Seattle Kraken. Whatever. Those might be the two possible best names. I mean, Seattle Sockeyes rolls right off your tongue. Where some of the other ones, not necessarily. Um... <laughs> Some of them do, some of them don't. The Seattle Rainers, it sounds cool. It actually does sound cool, and it's a mountain, and I feel so stupid about that. The But, well, the winter wind is a rainer, or the Seattle wind is a rainer. Okay. Sorry, i, I got to cut that out. But, no, Belpedio, more of a physical, intangible defenseman, like I was talking about. It's funny, you know, yep, Tim Army and I are, and obviously Tim Army knows a lot more about hockey than, he's, he's forgotten more about hockey than I'll ever know, if you know what I mean. He's a pro coach and all that. But, yeah, we're, we're on the same page, 100%, though Elpedio is more of a physical and tangible defenseman who's not that little. He's about 200 pounds, and he's almost 6 foot, so he's not big, but he's not little, and he plays a big game, <clears throat> and he mixes it up. Uh, he would fit okay on a third pairing. Uh, he, he He's the kind of guy that could be on a third pairing, and you're not taken away from his game. Uh, pairing him with Carson Soucy, I think it'd be pretty good. You know, he'd be protected well as well, uh, as, well as Carson, as long as Carson Soucy doesn't get lost to Seattle, which could happen, or Belpedio gets lost to Seattle, who knows, but no, he, actually he couldn't, uh, or Soucy might. Um, Belpedio hasn't been in the pros long enough, obviously. <clears throat> Still pretty new, where you know, obviously we don't have to worry about that with Kirill Kabrizov, thank God we don't have to worry about protecting him, which is nice. So that way we can protect uh, Fiala. God, wouldn't that be disgusting? Because we can't. We have to protect Zuccarello and Parisi, which is great. Uh, would they even claim them? No. But those gosh darn Mickey freaking no move clauses that are doing us no good whatsoever. And frankly, I don't think are doing those guys any good either. It's all bullcrap. Um, but no, Belpedio, again, I think he'd fit in on bottom pairing just fine. Romano could be on a second pairing or top pairing. It doesn't even matter. He would get opportunities either way because second pairing gets plenty of time out there. I mean, do Dumba and Brodeen just rot on the bench and get nine minutes? No. And even really the bottom pairing, the third pairing gets plenty of time out there. And I think Belpedia would be a 20 to 20, 20 to 30 point guy in the NHL and mix it up and be a factor. And he'd be a good pairing, I think, with Carson Soucy on the left side. Uh, Brennan Menel, it's going to be tough to see what happens because you can't put Dumba on the left side. And, and Menel has played on the left side a bit. So maybe you put Dumba and Menel together. But nah, I don't think so. I think you got to put Menel with Spurgeon if you're going to have to for, if you're gonna have to put somebody out of position, which is annoying. But if you're going to have to do it, Menel and Spurgeon is probably a safer bet. Though, uh, you know, again, you'd be two smaller guys. That's the one thing. So, oh, God. 
I mean, Mendel and, uh, Mendel and Brodine would be a really good combination, I think. And, of course, even if you want to be really crazy, Mendel and, uh, Mendel and Suter, possibly, could be a really interesting uh, combination as well. But I guess we'll worry about that when the time comes. Um, Kabo Kakinen, again, broken wrist, lunging for a puck. And Matt Robson stepped up a bit. Goals against average has now dropped below three, so that's good. 2.97 goals against average, and Derek Maribo has... You know, he's just, at this point, he's e, uh, ECHL material, not AHL so far. Almost three and a half goals a game thus far, which is really unfortunate, actually. So let's move on a bit. Matt Boldy's had some big moments in the collegiate postseason and such. And he stepped up so nicely, being in the top six now, 26 points. So that's the end of his college uh, freshman year, anyway. i got to think he's going to go back next year and have a big season and then come to the AHL at the, uh, in, in April and such. Hope, uh if, uh, you know, for his sake, hope he wins a national championship with Boston College, if not the Gophers next year. <laughs> Who knows how good the Gophers might be next year, but good, solid season for him. Uh, we'll look more into some of the uh, juniors for now as well. Adam Batman, after he reached that 100 point, I mean, he was struggling, like 98, 99, 100, finally. Okay, gosh, it took like a week. And then boom, <laughs> and then boom, 107. Okay, that's pretty amazing. Uh, plus 44 on the season in 63 games. 107 points for Adam Beckman. Can't see, it. can't wait to see him in Iowa coming up very soon. Uh, man, can't wait to see him suit up for the Iowa Wild. He's going to be something, I think. Or we'll see. Uh, he's, he's not going to get top line minutes right out of the gate. <laughs> Connor DeWare. So it's like that. Uh, similar situation coming from the WHL. You're not going to get top line minutes right out of the gate. First off for the University of Connecticut, one up at 23 points. Strong start, kind of quieted down a bit. During his time for UConn, Jack McBain has finished very strong and has been very solid. He's Again, I keep seeing him as a third or fourth line center in the NHL, but a big physical dude. I could see him, uh, Jack McBain, and Nico Sturm would be like a third and fourth line. I think Sturm is uh, third or second line. I, I think he's a middle six center in the NHL. Uh, Tim Army was gushing about Nico Sturm. In the beginning of the season, he was more of a third line center. Fry, when he's moved up to the top line, and him with uh, Honest and Mayhew was just a thing of beauty. Unfortunately, Sturm hasn't scored a point in the last week or so, and uh, the absence of Mayhew hasn't helped. Uh, Honest has still dominated, but if things have mixed up a bit, unfortunately, Luke Johnson has moved up into that center role, or at least on the wing side with uh, Menel. So it's an interesting situation going on there. Uh, McBain, I think, could be a fourth-line center in the NHL at very least. Maybe he will be third-line. And Nico Sturm could be a second-line center. Him with, uh, it's going to be very interesting because I don't think Julius connects a top-line center. So he could be a second or third. It's going to be like, yeah, I mean, I, I think those are your centers, and then you got to get the top one. Is it, is it Ovenov? Is it Ovenov? Is Ovenov a second-line center? Uh, again, maybe just wait for McBain to continue to develop because I think Nico Sturm will be in the NHL next year. I do believe he will. Um, McBain, especially if Miko Koivu, let's say the whole name, Miko Koivu retires, I think Nico Sturm ends up in the NHL next year, starting off in the bottom six, third or fourth line, and eventually Jack McBain will be third or fourth line, probably fourth <clears throat> in the in the NHL. But we'll see. He's going to have to earn it uh, in Iowa first with Tim Army. Hopefully Army stays the coach for a while because I think he's good. I think he's really good. Uh, he's done an awesome job uh, thus far. Marshall Warren had a playoff goal most recently. Good for him. And their little tournament there, their, uh, their uh, Hockey East tournament there from Boston College. Six goals in the season, 11 total points. So it's certainly not the prolific scorer he was for the, uh, the U.S. national team thus far. But we'll see. 
We will see. Guskov for the London Knights. 30 points. Matched the last season, but more goal scoring this year. And down in the plus-minus, unfortunately. Um, so a bit kind of mixing it up with college and pro. Nikita Nestorenko, he just kind of picks up assists here and there lately in his postseason run with the BCHL's uh, Chiliwack Chiefs. Good job by him, I guess, I suppose. A guy, again, who, if we lose Brodeen in a trade or whatever it is, I mean, somebody's going to come up and help on the left shot and can be some kind of a decent prospect. And it might end up being Jacob Golden, a uh, fifth-round pick in 2017, a guy who was very obscure. Most of you probably don't think about him very often. But uh, 27 points on the season in uh, the OHL for the Erie Otters, a team that's not very good lately. Again, uh, they've lost a lot of star players over the years. Erie Otters used to be elite, but now they've dropped off. It's just, you know, juniors, they, they come up, they come down, it's the other team's turn to be good. Um, Golden had a quiet start to his OHL career, but 27 points this year, very solid. Looks like he could be a bit more of a power play guy long term. Not a very large guy. It is what it is. 5'11", 180, at least a couple of years ago when he was <laughs> when, the, when the information was put out there. Hopefully he's put on some muscle since then. i got to think he has. Bryce Misley, got to love him, for the University of Vermont. Finishes with 10 points in the regular season, like I was saying a couple of weeks ago. Uh, Nick Sweeney, obviously. We'll see if they can win another national championship. 26 points, career high. Was banged up this year, unfortunately. Him and Sam Hench is both banged up this year, which is really frustrating. Sean Budrias, again, who, if we lose Greenway to uh, Seattle, maybe Budrias is the replacement, and he's on the right side. The much-needed right side. Six foot five, two twenty-three Guy who could be, you know, third line, fourth line. Uh, right winger for Minnesota. Big son of a gun. 6'5", 223. Mixes it up a bit, but he can certainly score at the Quebec Major Junior Hockey League level. 79 points. I don't know how Greenway would would uh, factor there. Would he would he have 79 points right now? Well, you know, with the NHL experience by now, I would hope so. That's the one thing. Where Boudreaux is a bit younger and, and more raw. But a plus 39 in the year. He's done a damn good job for Cape Breton. The screaming Eagles are just the Eagles now at the end of the day. Uh, Tim Army was also gushing about Dmitry Sokolov. No doubt about it. And again, I keep going back and forth, back and forth. But we're talking about prospects. We don't have to have it all perfectly organized with this league and this guy necessarily all the time. But um, Sokolov, big, strong, uh, obviously a big, strong guy who's gotten better and better. He's been out of shape in the past, but he's gotten in better and better shape. He's playing more of a defensive game. He's learning the full... 60, you know, he's, he's, he's learning to be more of a two-way player, and that was what the problem was with Fiala at one point. You know, you don't have to be the perfect back checker, but if you can do it more often than not, this and that, you're going to get more and more opportunities, and that's why Fiala's really taken off, other than the fact that he's realizing his skill is what it is. That's why he's become such a wonderful player for the Minnesota Wild the last few months here now. Uh, feeling good about that. Feeling good about that in a big way. And we'll see what happens with Sokolov. He's learning some of the same stuff in Iowa right now. And I guess it, now they're saying Sokolov. They're saying Sokolov. Let's just call him Sokolov. It sounds better. So Dmitry Sokolov of Iowa. Again, he's had his big moment. And Tim Army was just gushing about him. And he was gushing about him. DeWeer. Uh, Deheim. Brandon Deheim, of course. And uh, Nico Sturm. Those are the four guys he really... Imagine that are legitimate NHL prospects. Uh, Sokolov was pretty much put in the back burner from guys like Russo and myself uh, after such a disappointing start to the season, starting off in the ECHL, which is hockey purgatory for prospects, unfortunately. Though on, on occasion, some of those guys do end up becoming something. 
Uh, Jack Stadick has had a nice season down there, 32 total points. And now it looks like he might be heading to the AHL, but no moment, uh, no games played yet for the Iowa Wild. But 32 points in 61 games, good for him. So literally like a half point a game. So like a 40-point guy potentially in an 80-point season, or in an 80-game season. And a plus 25 for a very good analytic American team. Jack Sadick, I mean, he's fighting that scoring touch and been the power play quarterback, top defenseman for the Allen Americans at the end of the day. So with that said, I better I better I better put an end to this for the time being. And let's look let's get to your questions on Twitter at Brave the Wild, at Brave the Wild is how you can follow that. And those of you that have, I appreciate you super very much. And a guy who's been uh, apparently he's a super nice guy and he follows people. He follows all the kinds of hockey people out there. Judd Zolgat, of all people, follows Brave the Wild. Really cool. Uh, loves, he loves his hockey. He's got a big passion for it. And it's an honor to have him following uh, Brave the Wild, just in case one in a million he's actually listening to the show, which would be pretty cool. Uh, it's an honor to have him on board. And welcome on board Rich Blummer as well, who joined uh, recently, like about a week ago, looking for the retweets. I do believe Vince Germano retweeted. There was a few. And now I lost it. Dang, I lost it. I had it up and I lost it. There was a few. Okay, yep, Derek Felska, of course, retweeted it. And he also mentioned, check out the latest Brave the Wild podcast. Fiala's emergence and many other wild topics discussed, including fan questions as well. Check it out. Check it out. Fiala, the game breaker. And I'm still jumping around in my head where I should go with this one. Chronicles podcast, thank you very much. And Vince Germano retweeting the most recent show among a few other people after the follow and such. Uh, Judge Zolgad also gave me a follow, which is so cool. Um, apparently he follows a lot of hockey, like, you know, Minnesota Wild podcasts and, uh, and uh, you know, like blogs and stuff. But, hey, I'm deeply honored. So, at Brave the Wild, MN, at, or excuse me, hashtag BTWMN. Hashtag BTWMN is more appropriately sound if you want to have a question. Dave Johnson, welcome back, buddy. If Jared Spurgeon didn't have a no-move clause, how tradable do you think he would be with his new contract? I think he'd still be tradable. Uh, obviously, it's expensive for a guy who's, you know, 30 to 40-point player, but his intangibles, his leadership, his, you know, dare I say durability, knock on wood, because he has gotten hurt before, but his general durability and his consistency is the real word I'm looking for. I think he'd still be very much tradable, honestly, if he didn't have a no-move contract, even though it's expensive, Dave. Another question. Is there any scenario you can imagine where Zuccarello would waive his no-move contract and the Minnesota Wild can find a new home for him? I think so. I think it's possible, but the problem is the other team would have to be willing to take on the contract. Um, that's the crappy part. I think it's actually harder that way, uh, Dave, that um, <laughs> the other team would want to take on that contract because it's still, you know, what would it have, four more years on it? So that's the crappy part. But I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I, I got to think a Boston type of team would want him. A uh, Tampa Bay type of team would want him. Unfortunately, this year it's not going to happen. That's done and dusted, as they say in Australia. Derek Felsko was saying last call for questions. Yep, thank you for that. Thank you uh, again, Derek. You're very, very helpful with that. It's awesome. I, <laughs> you, I mean, just a- adding these questions to the show has made it more fun for me. I can't, I can't thank you enough. Derek says. How much are the Minnesota Wild going to regret not drafting Alex Newhook instead of Matt Boldy? Well, Matt Boldy has picked it up of late, but Newhook is pretty good, isn't he? He's been uh, awesome. Um, boy, oh boy, oh boy. Yeah, he's got a nice future in the league, doesn't he? Um, he's, a, he's a legitimate center where Boldy's just another left winger. Again, another left winger. We don't have enough of those in Minnesota, and I'm not even talking about hockey. But <laughs> that's an inside joke. 
But no, and I know a lot of people have been saying that. But no, on the hockey rink, the left wingers, there's just so many, and you draft another one. But uh, Boldy's got a future. That's the good part. Um, uh, Newell could probably be the better player, yes. And I, there were some mock drafts that had the Wild taking him. And, uh, you know, and there was the Russian guy, too, that ended up slipping to the Kings. Um, we'll see what happens there. Mike says, with Doobie, or Dubby, no, it's Doobie playing like a hole in the wall, <laughs> we have a big issue next season. We can open up $4 million in cap space with, tra- with a trade to one of the select teams. Or do we have to let him choose which team? One thing for sure, if he continues to play holy moly, sure is a waste. <laughs> yeah, it sure is a waste. So they're talking, he's talking about Doomnik's situation going into the offseason where he'll be an expiring contract next season. 4.33333, you get the idea. $4 million and then all threes after it, basically, down to the penny. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'd like to. I'd like to move on from Dominic. God bless him to the moon. I'd love to move on though, Mike. Yeah, and I, and I know you would too. I'm not sure what's going to happen to that. I'm keep. I keep hearing from guys like Russo that it's like he's and it's not me personally. Just on shows, I wish he talked to me personally, but um, that they're both coming back and they talk about it like it's yeah, you know, it is what it is. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Derek Felska says, and yeah, I mean, I, I'd like to see him off. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see him go and get the $4 million, uh, saved one way or another if we can get a draft pick. Uh, but we'll see. I, I, I don't know. It, it is just an expiring, so it's not like the other team would have to commit, like, the would have to commit the moon to Devin Dubnik. It's just, hey, you know, a resurgence after change of scenery can't be the worst thing ever, can it? Can it, though? Yep, so a good question, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Derek Felska again says, the Wild have tried to change up their broadcast this year, both on TV and the radio. <laughs> yep, which is really interesting. Even Paul Allen's going to call a game or two here. It's pretty crazy, which I'm sure you'll be good at. Which Wild TV analyst have you liked the best, and which radio play-by-play guy have you tried out have you liked the best? They've tried out have you have you liked the best. Well, TV analyst, I... I oh, man. They're all good, you know. Wes Walls is uh, Wes Walls is like super duper honest. I love that about him. Uh, Greenlay, uh, yeah, no, <laughs> Greenlay. A lot of people don't like him very much. He's okay, but he's kind of whatever he is. I got to go with Lou Nanny, you know. Even though he he's kind of like, yeah, I've got to go with Lou Nanny because it's like nobody knows hockey more than him. Some people think he's terrible. Come on, he he's not terrible. And yes, there's a little bit of Homer, Homer this, Homer that, but everybody's going to be a little bit of a Homer for the for the team when they're broadcasting. I got to go with Lou Nanny on TV for radio. <laughs> I love Bob Kurtz. I mean, for radio, uh, I love Bob Kurtz, man. And it'll be interesting to hear Paul Allen and such. But I I love Bob Kurtz. I think he's the best of all of them still. But Joe O'Donnell did a good job, didn't he? And he's 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 got he's certainly got more energy. So, I mean, it's between Kurtz and O'Donnell for me at the end of the day. But uh, Lou Nanny's the best, I think, when it comes to the uh, TV analysis, the color commentator. I, I got to go with Lou. Um, you know, and it's nothing against anybody else. Carter's damn good, too, of course. Ryan Carter. Uh, Justin Back, welcome back. Welcome back. I'm sorry. I did not do that on purpose. Uh, what do you see the Wild doing with their goaltender situation in the offseason? I think I missed somebody just now. Where's Bloomer? I swear I saw it. Okay, maybe it's further down. Okay, yeah, it's right under uh, Justin. You know, both of them. Uh, Justin, uh, Rich Blummer also says, will the team try to move Dubnik in the offseason? So these are kind of related. What do you see the Wild doing in their goaltender situation in the offseason? 
they have to move on from Dubnik, don't they? I, you know, knowing Bill Guerin the way he is, how he's transparent, and he's not the kind of guy that likes to screw around. I think Dubnik's gone. I think he finds a way to move Dubnik somehow, some way. You can't buy everybody out. I mean, I would rather put it this way, as crazy as this might sound to some people. I'd the way Dubnik has been, and the way Kakinen's promising, as long as he doesn't get any more freak injuries, which is really disappointing, but it is what it is, as long as he doesn't get another freak injury, I would take my chances. Yes, this is a little bit of a tiny bit of a gamble, but not really. If you had to buy out either Dubnik or Tuka, I just call him Tuka Rask, Victor Rask, I'd pick Dubnik. I'd pick Dubnik versus Rask, plus it's just one year, where Rask has got more years. Rask has been clutch, and you know, he's not the, he's not the worst guy ever. Maybe it's a dumb move and you need to open up space for a forward, and I think you probably do, but you need to open up space for goaltending. And if you can't trust Devin Dubnik next year, you make a move. If there is some type of feeling, if you just get a vibe that Dubnik is going to be more focused and ready to go next year, maybe you ride out his last year and you move on from uh, Victor Rask. But if I had to pick one of the two with the fact that Rask has more time remaining, which would, uh, of course, again, be more of a extended dead cap situation with uh, Victor Rask, it would be it'd be more extended with him. So think about it that way, where Dubnik, it'd be shorter. It'd be what, like two, 2.18 million or something for a couple of years of dead cap for just two years, where Rask, it might be like three or something. And so for about the same amount. So I'd take my chances with uh, moving on from Dubnik and give Kakinen a chance to be the backup or a platoon with... Uh, Eric Stahl. I just, I'm going crazy. Eric Stahl, right? <laughs> Alex Stalock. <laughs> Eric Stalock. Jay Bushy says, would the Minnesota Wild be better off trying to extend Fiala this summer to stay ahead of of, of its sum? I, I think so. I, I, I think so, and maybe his market value, yeah, you, you keep the market value reasonable and don't let it get too expensive. I think absolutely. Uh, that's almost kind of like a Michael Russo question when uh, Russo asked Paul Fenton last year, do you want to get ahead of the game a little bit with Jared Spurgeon? And Paul Fenton looked at him like he was an idiot. So this is a good question, Jay. This is like this is like Michael Russo. So, you know, you, I think you're hitting the nail on the head with this one. I really do. Um, that's a, I think that's the right thing to do. Uh, as long as they're able to, I say go for it. Because if he gets too expensive and you end up having to commit like $12 million a year or something, like he's the next Connor McDavid or something like that, crap, you know, <laughs> he might be screwed there at the end of the day um, well, I, I don't think we're going to sign him for 13 years, that's the good part but I could see a 7 year contract, that type of thing One of, that's like the, the, the new maximum we'll call it at the end of the day uh, Jay Bushy, awesome question there, and I agree with you I, I agree with you, if I was Bill Guerin I think you need to get ahead of the game as long as his agent is willing to, uh, if his agent's not then, then we're screwed, but um, I think we've got to get it extended and get that done um, I do believe he's a restricted free agent anyway, uh, if I remember correctly, but it, it's a, it is a uh, interesting situation going into the offseason, though. I do believe that's all the questions, but that was a damn good one. Um, that was a damn good one. I appreciate that one. Uh, Fiala getting ahead of the game, I think, is the right thing to do. Again, just like, you know, see Spurgeon... The value went way up when other defensemen started signing, and then you and then you end up having to sign him for a huge giant contract. It is what it is. I mean, he's a very good player, seven and a half million a year basically, except for this last year. Yeah, well, no, that was the extension, seven and a half million plus, so almost seven point six million. 
for uh, the aforementioned uh, Spurgeon. Uh, Galchenyuk comes off the books. Maybe you keep him with a small, like two and a half million a year, which is a possible deal. Uh, two two years, five million or something. But would he even accept a, such a small amount? Who knows? Uh, Fiala situation? Nope, he's a restricted free agent after after next year. Yes, please go for it. If long as long as you're allowed to, and his agent is willing to make the move now. I, I I get going. I start the contract conversation as soon as you can with uh, Kevin Fiala. And keep it, you know, you just hope to keep it semi-reasonable. You know, don't rip him off, obviously, and have him be unhappy and pissed off and holding out. All that crap. Of course, you can't really hold out if it's a huge contract. But, <laughs> and you know, as long as it's enough money, this and that. Um, but Fiala, yeah, I mean, if you can get ahead of the game, I say go for it. Great question, Jay. That was uh, that was a good one, and I think that's crucial. Thank you again. Thank you so much, Derek Felska. I'm going to give major shout-outs here to Crease and Assist, of course, the Crease and Assist blog. MNW Prospects, MNW Prospects, that's where Justin Back is from. I appreciate him so much. Uh, Brandon Quast, of course, Pavel Bennett, who founded all that. MNW Prospects, Pavel Bennett's from the Czech Republic. Absolutely spectacular Facebook page, and highly recommend it out there. We, I mean, we've gotten a lot of followers. The Twitter account as well. You'll see me retweeting their tweets at, at Brave the Wild, doesn't that give them a follow? Of course, on there, and I'm a part of that Twitter account, working with them, keeping up with all the prospects. And we talk NHL, we talk AHL, ECHL, Quebec Major Junior, British Columbia, WHL, uh, all the above OHL. You get the idea. College prospects, all related to the Minnesota Wild. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, group to be a part of. Absolutely awesome. MNW Prospects. Google it, obviously, or whatever you want to do. Of course, join the Facebook page, follow the Twitter account, and keep up and interact with us. We're all friendly guys who like to interact with you. Uh, and we, we love it very much. Derek Fels got crease and assist blog. He's been doing it for over a decade. About Was it 16 years, Derek? Oh my goodness. 16 years. And I'm bragging that I do this for 12 years. That I've done Brave the Wild for about, well, 12 and a half years now, but don't forget the half part, right? 12 years, but 16 years, the crease and assist, like cease and, assist, cease and desist, yep, crease and assist podcast, uh, excuse me, crease and assist blog, do check that out and join Derek Felska, he's also a great guy, give him a follow, at crease and assist is a Twitter account, great guy, he loves hockey just like the rest of us, and definitely a hockey, hockey guru out there, hockey Yoda for Minnesota Wild Conversation, I can't thank you guys enough for your interaction and your friendship, and God bless all of you. We'll talk to you in a week, and hopefully the coronavirus doesn't shut everything down for us. So just pray, do the best you can, and wash your hands, and hope the players do the same. I don't want to hear any corona crap about the NHL season being suspended or canceled or any of that crap. But until then, I guess we'll find out. Regardless, there will be a show next week, so don't worry about that part.